Good morning, everyone. Kids, you guys are dismissed. As they go, I feel I, I feel the Lord on something. And before I speak my message, I want to I want to do this. Um, even Jesus, when he walked the earth, he was well aware of what the Father was doing. And there were times um, when he would sense that the pres- the power of God was present to heal, and then he would move in healing. This morning, I had this sense that the Lord was present to, um, I'll say it this way, reconcile families. So if you're here this morning and you have family that's antagonistic towards the gospel, towards Jesus and towards you, then I want to take a moment. I want to pray for you. And this is what I felt the Lord give me. Um, and this is how we're going to pray. He says, um, in Matthew chapter nine and verse, um, 37. He said, he's saying to his disciples, the harvest is indeed plentiful, but the workers are few. And this is how we're going to pray. He said, so pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And so if, if that's you and you've got family members that are antagonistic towards the gospel, antagonistic towards you, I believe that as we come into this season of, 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 of families gathering together, it can be a very difficult time for some people because their families are not whole and it's, it's hard. Um, but I believe that we're going to step into a time of, of reconciliation where your family members who were once antagonistic towards Jesus, they soften their hearts and they receive him and they say yes to him. And the family members, that, that are antagonistic towards you, that there is a spirit of reconciliation, mending the families together. And so if that's you, I just want you to, you know, we're, we're going to pray. Just raise a hand and say, yeah, I identify with that. I identify with that personally. And so Father, we pray that you would send workers into your harvest field. We pray over these families, God, these family members that are antagonistic towards you. They are the harvest field. And this morning we pray to the Lord of the harvest that you would send workers to them to bring them home, that they would come back to relationship with you. Father, maybe for the first time or it's been a long time, but we ask that you would harvest their lives and they would once again become sons and daughters of Almighty God, and that there would be peace in their lives, and that you would reconcile these families over this holiday season in the name of Jesus. And if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Um, I, I'm a big words person. You might be like, well, uh, clearly, because you talk a lot. But words to me are very important. Uh, to, to me, words carry weight. Words communicate what's going on in, in the head, what's going on in the heart, what's going on in the, in the spirit. And I believe that words need to be spoken. So like if I've done something and I realize that I've done something to hurt or wound or to offend somebody, then I'm, I'm going to take the opportunity, I'm going to make the space and I'm going to go to that person and I'm going to apologize. It's, it's, not, it's not always easy. Okay, like it's never easy to own when you've made mistakes like that and to apologize. But for me, words are so important because I believe that when I communicate my apology, when I communicate that I'm remorseful for what I've done or what I have said, it helps in the healing process for all parties involved. Renee will even tell you, um, I, I actually find it difficult sometimes to, almost always, I find it difficult to... Um, 
to move on when I've been hurt or I've been wounded by someone, if that person never comes back and they never come around and they say, hey, what I did was wrong, I, I apologize. It's not that I can't get over it, but for me, because words carry such weight, it just takes me a little while longer to work through that with the Lord, right? But those words, words are important. When remorse isn't communicated verbally, it just takes me a little while longer. Love, right? Love needs to be communicated. It needs to be communicated with words. I, I've known plenty of people that were, um, that grew up and for much of their life or most of their life, they never heard, you know, a parent or both of their parents tell them that they loved them. And they've, you know, these people that I know, they, they struggle with that. And then almost always, almost always, if that child goes to their parent and says, like, do you, like, do you love me? You've, you never communicated with words that you love me. They almost always, this is the, the response that, that they'll get. Well, well, you know I love you, or of course I love you, right? But, but your wor the words need to be there. We need to hear from our family. We need to hear from our friends. We need to hear from people. I love you. Because there's something missing when it's not communicated. The same is true for thankfulness. Thankfulness needs to be expressed, right? It's important that I communicate my gratitude to people. So like, if, like for example, if, if, if someone does something, you know, kind for me, or, or I get a card in the mail or, or a gift or whatever, I, I will make sure to take the time and to express to them my gratitude, my thankfulness for their thoughtfulness. They thought of me, they went out of their way to help me or, or whatever, whatever the situation might be, but expressing thankfulness is important. Renee and I, um, this past pastor appreciation in, is, is that, that month is October, and we gave a gift to uh, one of the people that we look at as our pastors. His name is Rich Guerra. Um, he's come here. He, he's spoken here before, um, and he is the leader of all of the Southern California Assemblies of God churches. And so we look at him uh, as, as Pastor Rich. He's one of our he's one of our pastors. And so we we put a gift together, and we we saw him, and we we gave him that gift. In the moment, he thanked us for our thoughtfulness, and and you know was was so appreciative that that we would honor him in that way. And it was it was a good moment. We didn't feel like we needed anything more than that. Um, and then the following week, we got a note in the mail and it was Pastor Rich had written out this thank you note, thanking us specifically for the items that we, we'd given him. And he, he named them. Thank you for this. I appreciate that. And I, I love this. And, and he wrote this handwritten note. See, Thanksgiving, it's important that it is actually communicated. We've raised our kids this way, right? If they, if they, if they get a gift or if, if someone does something kind for them, we're like, hey, we, we even now, they've moved out, they're adults, but we ask, like, hey, did you remember to say thank you? Did you remember to, to reach out to them? Because it's important to communicate that. Because when there is an absence of words, there's incomplete, incomplete communication. Whether someone loves or forgives or is thankful or is sorry, that communication's incomplete. Now, maybe you're not a big words person. Maybe you're, you're like, I'm a big actions person because I'm sure we've, we've all heard the saying, right? Actions speak louder than words, right? We've, we've all heard this. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's true. When your actions don't line up with your words, then your actions do speak louder than words because out of one side of your mouth, you can say thank you, but you can act like an entitled spoiled brat that's not thankful for anything, that feels like they're owed something. 
But when your actions and your words line up together, you speak the loudest. And as followers of Jesus, that's where we really need to be. That's the sweet spot that we need to live in where our actions and our words line up. Whether we're communicating thankfulness, whether we're communicating that, that you know, regret because we, we, of something we said or did, we hurt somebody, or whether we're communicating love. We can't just tell people that we love them. We have to show them so our actions and our words line up together. Today, I'm going to bring our series uh, on revival to a close. And I mean, to be honest, I think this, is, this might be one of my favorite all-time series that we have ever done. And we've done some fun series. We've done some, some, you know, some really powerful ones. But I have loved this series on revival. We've seen the Lord really begin to move in our services like he has not done before. There's just been what I would call like, it's, and it's, it's really hard to, to describe. So I just, I'll, I'll say it this way. Like the atmosphere has been thick or it's been heavy, right? You feel, and not heavy in a bad way, but just like there's a thickness to the atmosphere that, that you can't really uh, explain why, it, why it's there. There's been this, um, there's been lingering in his presence. You know, we've closed the service out and, and you guys sit and we tell you, like, you, you are free to go, but you will sit and you'll linger and you'll wait on the Lord. There's this hunger that's, that's stirring. And we've seen the Lord do so much over these last uh, five weeks or so. And I'm so thankful for that. But I also believe what we've done is not just what we've seen today, but I believe what we've done is we've seeded for the months to come because we're not going to see the, the full fruit out of what the Lord has deposited in us as we've looked at revival, as we've talked about it. We're going to see that fruit come out many months from now. So I believe that we've seeded forward and, and we're, we will step into the things that we've talked about. So as I, as I close our, our series on, on revival, I want to talk to you today and share two thoughts on thankfulness and how thankfulness positions us in our lives for revival and for all that God has for us. The first thought that I want to share with you, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 100. Oops. Sorry, I usually bookmark these things. And I always forget to do this. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us. If, you, if you're always with us in person, you might not realize that we have people that join us online every week. And so I'm so glad you're with us today. Uh, all right, Psalm 100. The first thought that I want to share with you on thankfulness is this. Thankfulness to God gives us perspective and positions us in humility so that we can receive all that the Lord has for us in revival. Psalms 100. David writes and says, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. Know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture, which literally just what that means is that we, he takes pleasure in us. We are his people and he takes pleasure in our lives. Enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless and praise his name for the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting and his faithfulness endures to all generations. Thankfulness is worship. Thankfulness is one of the ways that we enter into his presence. It is worship. 
It's one of the ways that we humble ourselves before God. So thankfulness brings perspective, and that perspective is, I am not God. That's the perspective that we all need to hear, right? There is no, no man, no woman who is a self-made man or woman. Like nobody is self-made. If you have any doubts of, of your position in all of creation as to who you are and who is God and who is not, hold your breath. Just hold your breath. See how long it is before everything goes dark and black and you fall over. That's how you know you're not God. He is God. We did not create ourselves, but we are created beings. And we are his joy. We are his pleasure. And when we direct our thanks, thankfulness, our thanksgiving, our gratitude towards God, we, we worship him. As we worship him with thanksgiving, we put ourselves in a place of humility before the Lord. I want, I want to kind of illustrate it. I want to picture it like this. When I come into, into God's presence, and I lift my eyes up and I begin to thank him. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave himself for me, hung on the cross for my sin. You took away all my shame. I thank you for everything that you've done in my life. I am not worthy of your presence, of your love. You are so good to me. You are so kind. You are so merciful. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your provision in my life. See, when we, when we are thankful to God and we direct our thanksgiving towards God, we lower ourselves before him. This is our position before God, right? It gives me, it reminds me of the perspective that I need to have in life, right? That I'm not owed anything. God owes me nothing. I don't deserve anything, but I owe him everything. Absolutely everything. I owe him. What, what he gives me comes, comes to me by way of his love, of his kindness, of his mercy, of his grace. And when I give thanks for that, I lower myself before him. And I put myself in a position of humility before him. And if I'm not in humility, if I come before the Lord in entitlement, I'm no longer in a position to receive from him. Because the Bible actually says that God opposes the proud. So if I've got pride in my life, then, then God actually opposes me. He is against me because we have to approach him in humility. And if I, if I believe in some way, shape, or form that God owes me something, that I try and hold him hostage for anything. And sometimes, in, and we've probably, maybe we've done this ourselves at times, or we know people where they will, they will come to God and they'll say, if you are real. If you can, then do this. And they hold him hostage, demanding that he prove himself to them. And sometimes through his grace and his mercy, he shows up. But many times that's, that's an attitude of entitlement. Like he owes me an explanation or he owes me something and God opposes the proud. And so I'm no longer in a position to receive from him because I'm, it's like I'm lifting myself up on his level and I'm arrogant towards him, thinking he owes me something. I'm entitled. 
Thankfulness positions me before the Lord in humility where I can receive all that he has for me and for my life. But we have to come to him in humility. Verse four of of Psalm 100 says, we enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving. We enter his gates, the gates of his presence with thanksgiving. So see, we enter the very presence of God through thanksgiving, through giving thanks to him. Psalms 22 also says this. It says that the Lord is enthroned upon the praises of his people. So when we give thanks to God, we enter his presence with thanks, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, with thankfulness. Thankfulness and thanksgiving is worship. So we are worshiping as we enter his presence. And when we pair that with Psalms chapter 22, where it says he's enthroned upon the praises of his people. So I enter his presence with thanksgiving. I'm lifting up worship and praise to him. And Jesus, King Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, is seated upon the praises of his people. His manifest presence of where he rules and reigns is established as I enter his presence with thanksgiving and I lift up worship and praise to him. See, I've positioned myself to where I can receive even more from him because thanksgiving creates an atmosphere of worship where anything is possible because King Jesus is present and he is seated on his throne. And it invites the, the, um, the, the very kingdom of God into my reality, into my space, into my life, into my circumstances. It invites his rule, his reign over me. And where, where, where king rules and reigns, what the king says goes. Right? That's how, that's how kings rule. They speak. They make declarations. Right, And so where King Jesus is established in his throne, he's seated upon my praises, what he says goes. Thanksgiving sets the stage for the supernatural to be released in your life, in my life, in our services as we've created a place for Jesus to reign in our worship. And we've talked before saying like revival is, is the, the, manifest, the manifest nearness of the presence of Jesus. That's revival. So when we enter his gates with thanksgiving, we lift up praise in his presence. King Jesus is seated and enthroned upon our worship. He is, his manifest nearness presence is now here, and that's Revival. In one of his books, um, Bill Johnson tells a story of a, of a ministry trip that he took to, to Argentina. And it was very, very early in the days of the outpouring that they were seeing at Bethel Church in Reading. Very early. And he was on this ministry trip with another, with another minister. And they went down to Argentina to do some services. And while they were there, he had the opportunity to meet with some of the, the leaders in Argentina. And at the time, Argentina had been experiencing this incredible move of God that had been going on for many, many, many years. It was a sustained outpouring of the presence of God and revival that was impacting and shaking and shaping that country. And so Bill had the, had the opportunity to, to meet with, with the leaders of, of the revival of that nation. And he thought to himself, I want to share with them. And I want to talk about some of the things that I'm seeing in my church, because I want to know if what I'm seeing is the fruit of revival. It's the signs of revival. So he met with them and he thought, who better to ask than people who have, who have been seeing it and experiencing and leading a sustained move of God. 
And so he started sharing stories of the things that they were seeing in, in his church. And, and, and the leaders just sat and listened to him. And then they, they said this, that's revival. What, they said, what you're seeing is the early fruit of an outpouring of God. And then they said, what you see here around us in Argentina is, is, is the mature fruit of sustained revival. And then they said to him, if you look at an apple tree and you see small, unripe, undeveloped apples on the tree, and then you look at a tree beside it and they have these, these big, you know, bright red, juicy, delicious apples that are ready to be picked. They said, one is no more or no less an apple. They're both apples. This one is is not mature, one is not ripe, one is, is, has more developing to do than the other. See, here, we need to continually give thanks for what the Lord is doing here in our church. Because I believe that we are seeing the early signs of revival. We are seeing the early signs of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit here in our church. We're seeing healings. Last week, like we didn't lay hands on people. It was just in the midst of, 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 of at the, I think it was at the end of the service. And we, we just said, hey, if you need healing, like lift, lift your hand and just engage with the presence of God. And there were several of you that received healing just in the moment, being in the presence of God. Miracles. We're hungering. Like there, there's, there's a clear sense of an increase of hunger in our church. We're seeking more. We're seeing more people in the prayer room, engaging in prayer on Sundays and throughout the week. Signs of revival. Lives are being changed and transformed. You may not realize the lives that are being changed and transformed in our church. You can look to the left and to the right in our church and I can guarantee you, you are seeing lives that are being changed and transformed by the power of God. People are not the people that they were when they walked in here because they're being changed and transformed from the, from the inside. And then the Holy Spirit is just sovereignly drawing people to our church. And we see them come sometimes on Sunday mornings and sometimes during the week they come and they knock on the door. And they're just looking for help. I've had the chance to, there, there was a young man a couple of weeks ago who, who came and he heard we, gave, we give away food and, and he was struggling. And I had the chance to talk to him and lead him to the Lord. I just invited him in and said, hey, do you want to come in? Can I pray for you? Do you want to receive Jesus into your life? And he said, yes, I do. I just had this beautiful moment. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just answered the door. I was sitting in the back of the church in my office and I heard someone knock on the door and I, I just went to say hello to see who it was. People are coming. The Holy Spirit is drawing them. We are seeing the early signs of an outpouring of a move of God in our midst. I'm watching you. I'm watching our church grow. I'm watching you engage more in ministry, not just here on Sundays, but yes, here on Sundays. I'm watching you grow and step into the things that God has placed upon your life. But I'm also watching you as you lead your families. I'm watching you as, as I hear stories of what's happening in the marketplace, in your job places, of how you are releasing the kingdom of God and ministering to people. And if we don't acknowledge what the Lord is doing, it shows a lack of faith in what we are experiencing that is actually from the Lord. So we cannot disregard what God is doing now and expect him to give us more, right? And so there's almost like this shift that needs to take place in our language. There's almost like a shift that needs to take place in our prayers where we're not asking God for an outpouring. 
We're asking God for more of the outpouring. We're not asking God to come and release revival here. We're asking God to come and mature the revival that we're already experiencing. We, we are thankful for what we're experiencing. And when we're thankful for what we're experiencing, we begin to cherish it. When I'm thankful for something, I watch over it. I protect it. I steward it. And when I steward it, he brings increase. So I'm thankful for what we have. And I'm asking him for more, more healings, more salvations, right? More signs and wonders, more, um, more encounters with his presence, more, more revealed glory. Like God, show us your face again, more, more. Thankful for what, we're ha- what we have, but I'm asking for more. There's a shift in our language that needs to take place. Thankfulness positions us in a place of humility before God so that we can receive, continue to receive all that's in his heart for us individually, in this outpouring, for us as a church. The second thought that I want to share on thankfulness as it relates to revival is thankfulness for people positions us in unity where we can experience revival. There's a great psalm. I think it's Psalms 133. Someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it says, where the, where the brethren, where the people dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands his blessing. There's something special reserved for us when we dwell together in unity. And let me just clarify, as, just almost as a, it's not, not really a side note, but I'm not going to talk about it a lot, right? Like unity is not uniformity. You can't actually have unity if we all look the same, if we all act the same, right? That's not unity, That's conformity, right? Unity is celebrating our differences. It's celebrating the different cultures that we have, the different thoughts and opinions, the different ministry gifts and and the the different callings that we have. That's, That's unity. And thankfulness positions us in unity where we can experience revival. So there's several places in the New Testament where Paul is writing letters to churches and we read, and he writes about how thankful he is for the people that he's writing to. Like in, in Philippians chapter 1, it, he says, I thank my God in every remembrance, remembrance of you. Ephesians chapter 1. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And First Thessalonians, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. See, when I'm thankful for people, I begin to, I'm I'm recognizing the value of their life. The value of, of a person's life is this. Number one, they are made in the image of God. Every person is made in the image of God. Whether they acknowledge him or not, that does not mean that they're not made in his image. Every person is made in his image. And number two, it's the price paid for that life. And the price paid for every life is the blood of Jesus, the precious, holy, sinless blood of Jesus. And so when I begin to give thanks for people, specifically for them, then I begin to recognize the value that God has put on their life, that they were made in his image. And the, the, uh, the price paid for them was the blood of Jesus. See, when I take people for granted or I'm ungrateful for them, I begin to devalue them. 
in my life, in my eyes. And you, you, I mean, we see this with our children, right? If they're not thankful for a gift that's given to them, they don't treat it very well, right? It's kind of like cast aside or they'll, they'll throw it, they're, they're harsh with it. But if it's something they're so thankful for, they just, it's, it's precious to them. They protect it. They watch over it. They know where it is. They don't misplace it. They don't mistreat it because they recognize the value. I want to explain it. I want to explain it this way. So most of you know uh, the story of how the Lord blessed Renee and I this past spring with a new car, with, with a new Tesla. And there's a longer story, that, that, the backstory to it. And the Lord um, brought this car into our life. Uh, we were able to purchase it and then we were able to pay it off before we ever made a single payment. God brought the finances in as a supernatural stretching and provision of finances. And we were able to pay off the car before we ever made a single payment. It sits in our garage and lots of times I walk in and out of the garage. That's where our trash cans are and all kinds of stuff. And, and many times I would just, I walk past, I walk past the car. I'm not even getting into the car and I'll just, I'll just lay my hands on the hood or on the top or on the back. And I'll say, thank you, Jesus, for our car. Thank you for the provision that you brought into our life. And then I'll just move on, right? I'm so thankful for what the Lord did there. And we, tr- we treat that car so precious because I'm so thankful for it. Like we, we, take, we take very good care of it. We make sure it's cleaned inside and out. We clean it regularly, probably almost more than we've ever cleaned any other of our cars. And we've always kept neat, tidy cars, but we just make sure that we really take care of it. I don't, um, I don't drive it hard. I mean, like it'll accelerate very fast. And it's kind of funny. We've done it a few times where you, you don't, like we drive on chill mode, but then there's a standard mode. And when it's on standard mode and you step on the gas, it, like, it thro- like it throws your head back. Like it, it goes. But we don't drive it hard, right? We, we just drive it chill. We, we accelerate at a nice even pace and I don't brake hard. And you know, I'm sure we've all done this. I've done this many times in other vehicles where you like, you're, going, you're driving and you take a corner a little too sharp and boom, you like rub the curb, right? Like I make sure I take the corners just a little wider so that there's never a chance I'm too close to the curb. And actually Renee will tell you, I used to be really bad for like bumping curbs. We had SUVs and I would like bump the curb and rub the curb as I'm like driving around the corners. And, and, uh, but this, I take them extra. I just, I'm so careful with it because it's a precious gift and I'm thankful for it. So I treasure it and I value it as a gift from the Lord. See, when I'm thankful for you, when I'm thankful for God bringing you into my life, when I'm thankful for, for God leading you into our church, and I speak that thankfulness out, whether it's in front of you or behind you or just behind closed doors to the Lord, right? It, 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 it shows, the, the, it, it, it helps me grasp that you are a precious gift from God in my life and in our church. And I treat you that way. And I recognize that Jesus spilled his precious blood for you. And I'm thankful for you. And I see the image of God in you. And I treat you as that precious gift. I'm thankful for you. And I recognize that value. And I realize that Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you. And how can I not be thankful for what Jesus loves so much? Being thankful for people ensures that I don't view myself as above or better or greater or entitled in any way. It keeps me 
in a position of humility in relationships with people. So I not only have to be humble when I approach the Lord, I need to be humble in relationships with people. And when I'm humble in my relationships with people, I step into a place of unity and it allows me to receive. See, not only receive from the Lord, but it allows me to receive from people. Here, Renee, come and stand at the, at the base of the steps. Yeah, right there. And so if, right, if I'm not thankful and I take for granted Renee in my life and I feel like I'm entitled to, to her or, or anything like that, right, then I, it's like I stand above <laughs> and I'm a short person, right? But if I'm like, Renee, I'm so thankful for your friendship. I'm so thankful that God brought you into my life. I'm so thankful for your, your leadership. I'm thankful for what you carry, that the Lord has put in you and what you release in our church and how you lead people and care for people. I'm so thankful that you are a gracious and compassionate mother who understands what, what our children are going through and you raise our kids so well. I'm so thankful that there are, are weaknesses in my life that are strengths in your life and that I can, I can lean on you in my weaknesses and you help make me a better person and a better human being. I'm thankful for you. See, when I'm thankful for, for people, when I'm thankful for, for Renee, it, it brings me down into a position where I can receive from her. Because if I stand up here, like I, I'm, not, I'm not receiving anything from her, but when I bring myself low in humility with people and I'm thankful for them, it puts me in a position where I can receive from her the things that the Lord has deposited in her for me. Thank you. Because here's, here's the thing, like God puts something in you that I need in order, that, in order for me to step into everything that he's called me to be, to step into everything that he's called me to step into and everything that he's called me to do. I need, I need you. And you might sit there and think, well, obviously you're the pastor. You, know, you need the people in the church. Uh, separate from that, right? The same way that, 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 that God has put something in Megan right? That Bryn needs. And he did this by design so that we would need community because we're never supposed to live alone. We're never supposed to live in silos. To be completely honest, I don't believe that you can lead and live a successful Christian life as a follower of Jesus if you don't have a church that you belong to. I just don't think you can do it. I don't see it represented in scripture right? Because we're, we're designed for community and God did that intentionally because if I can get everything that I need from my life from the Lord alone, then I, why, do I need, why do I need community? I don't need community. I can get everything from him, but we're never meant to live that way. We're meant to live in community because yes, God put, deposits things in my life for me, but he also deposits things in Dale that I need so that I can step into all that God has for me. Right? So we need, it's by design, this community that we, that we live in, it's by God's design. So we need each other. And thankfulness puts me and it puts you and us in a position to receive from each other. Thankfulness also helps us, uh, helps me love people when relationship is strained. Right? If I'm thankful for people when the relationship is strained, thankfulness keeps, keeps my love on. 
right? Because when the relationship is strained, it's easy for me just to turn my love off. Like, I don't care. I'm just, you know, you, you did this or did that. So like, I'm done. I'm just going to cut you off and I'm just going to go somewhere else, right? But, but being thankful for them and who they are and the image of God that they were created in and thankful for the blood that purchased their life, it keeps my love on towards people. And I don't believe it's possible to be thankful for someone and not love them. Because as I said before, thankfulness acknowledges their value. Like, don't, I'm going to ask a question, but don't answer it out loud. Like, is there someone that you find difficult to love? And don't look at anybody. <laughs> no throwing elbows if you're sitting beside somebody. Right? Or, or, maybe, or maybe it's a co-worker. And if you work with me, don't look at me. Or maybe it's a neighbor, right? Or, or maybe it's a group of people that you find difficult to love. Try being thankful for them. Try sitting before the Lord and begin to speak your thankfulness for them. Begin, begin to give thanks for who they are in His eyes, how God sees them. Give thanks to God for their place in your life. Give thanks for what the Lord is doing in them what he's doing in you through them. Give thanks to God for the plans that he has for them. And then begin to watch your love grow for that person or for that group of people. And maybe, just maybe, the people you find most difficult to love are the ones that Jesus wants you to influence and love the most. Because here's the deal. We will have no influence where we do not love. So if you, you want to, you know, speak into something that's happening in your workplace, but you walk around all day long complaining about your, your job and your workplace and your boss and your coworkers, you're not going to have any influence. There's not going to be any open door for you to speak into and influence those people or the direction of the company or whatever, because there's no love. And without love, you have no influence. Thankfulness will open a doorway into someone's life through love where we will be able to deposit what the Lord has put in us for them. And people will not receive anything from us if they don't feel like we love them. Now, whether that's people sitting in the room here or whether that's people that are antagonistic towards us and antagonistic towards Jesus, they're not going to receive anything from us if they don't feel and know and hear that we love them. I'll close with this. I heard an interview with a, a prominent revival pastor one time where the person who was interviewing them it was somebody who knew them very, very well. And they asked them this question. They said, how come I've never heard you speak negatively or speak an ill word about somebody? So for as long as I've known you, I've known you a very, very long time, but I've never heard you talk negatively or speak an ill word about another person. And the pastor sat there and his eyes welled up with tears and then tears began to roll down his face. And he replied, I never want to devalue someone who's made in the image of God. There's a little tiny verse in the book of Ephesians that says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's good and beneficial for the people who hear it. 
the Bible has very high standards. That's, that's a tough one. Thankfulness for people positions us in unity and allows us the opportunity to experience revival. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for all that you are doing in our midst and what you're doing in my life, in the life of our church family. So grateful for your presence and what you're doing here. So grateful for my calling here to be the pastor of this church. Thank you for our people, the people that call our church home. Thank you for drawing them and leading them here, each one of them. They have a special place in our family. So grateful for what they bring to the table. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to grow in our thankfulness. God, that even when we are walking through difficult times, you know, those times that the Bible talks about is the valley of the shadow of death or like that dark night of the soul, that we will go to the place of thankfulness. And we will offer up worship and thankfulness. God, even if there is nothing in the natural for, to be thankful for and it's all crumbling down around us, that we will lift our eyes up and we will give thanks to you for you and who you are how you love us. Holy Spirit, teach us to be thankful and grateful. Continue to position.